just like, man, we got so much still to get to. Uh, coming up later this hour, we, we haven't done a news in a while, and I feel like we're due, especially since I'm a, a tad under the weather and I do have to be mobile in our final hour here. Which, by the way, Josh, this final hour, as always, is brought to you by... Oh, thank you so much for asking. It's brought to us by Rooftech of Oklahoma. Give Josh Tucker and the crew over at Rooftech a call for all of your roofing needs. 405-703-4245. Rooftech, fully insured and regulated by the Oklahoma Construction Industries Board. Mm. Man, I'm fired up. Man, I'm fired up. Let's get after it, shall we? Newcastle Casino. Every single day here on the Ref Sports Radio Network brings you our top five stories of the day. Newcastle Casino. Big fan. That's me. Check them out where real gamers come to play. All right. Big story number five. Number five. Teased this a little bit earlier, Josh. Can't wait for your reaction. Um. Apparently, the morning after the Nick Saban meeting with Birmingham business owners, where he claimed that Texas A&M bought every player for their team, according to a report this morning, Texas A&M President M. Catherine Banks and Director of Athletics Ross Bjork told SEC Commissioner the conference should consider suspending and fining Saban for his comments. On3.com is reporting this. Through an open records request, On3 found that Bjork, co-signed by Banks, sent an email to Sankey on May 19th. Bjork and Sankey also had multiple phone conversations that morning. According to the email exchange, Sankey and Texas A&M football coach reportedly spoke on the phone prior to Fisher's now infamous press conference. Here was the email, quote, we write to express Texas A&M's disappointment and outrage at the recent statements made by Alabama head coach Nick Saban. Coach Saban's statement was a blatant violation of SEC bylaws regarding sportsmanship, more significantly without citing any facts to support his statement Coach Saban is accusing every single player in AM's recruiting class and current football team of violating NIL guidelines in Texas state law. There is more. There is more. But I did, I, I did have to laugh because in it, we found out that before Jimbo's presser, that the SEC warned him not to violate sportsmanship policies. <laughs> So that's why he got reprimanded. I don't know. I, I don't know why this has me feeling some kind of way. I think I probably would have done the same thing too, though. It would have been, I'm sure the process went like this. You call him, you're heated. He's like, listen, give me a formal complaint, and then we'll go from there. Right? I mean, that has, it, it has to be just like, I don't know, returning something. Do you have the receipt? All right. You have, no, you don't have the receipt. Do you have the car that you bought it on? You do. Okay, that's great. I feel like there's a process here in this. Hey, Ross Bjork, you're really mad? Okay, listen, you got to send me a written complaint, and then we'll go from there. I feel like as much as people can say, oh, well, this is A&M being petulant and they're being babies, I would have to think it's part of a protocol if you're mad about something, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I don't think they're going to be getting the suspension no, no, that no. they're looking for for one Nick Saban. 
But Greg Sankey did make a make it a point as the conference commissioner to come out and say, "Hey, we don't we're not really down for this type of public infighting. This ain't how it's going to roll." Is that a good way to translate it? So, there you go. Little open records request. Good work on 3.com. Buzz was a building that A&M was trying to get Nick Saban suspended for his comments. Which gets us to big story number four. Number four. Now, again, another story that we briefly touched upon. But I don't know how to feel, Josh, in this NCAA as a defendant along with Villanova and other universities in Johnson versus the NCAA. And the SEC has filed a brief to support the NCAA in the ongoing attempt to prevent the recognition of college athletes as employees of the school they attend. The SEC statement included that they joined more than a dozen organizations. They got all the names here. Uh, and urging the court not to radically change existing laws by treating student-athletes as employers of the university. Doing so would be contrary to the spirit and purpose of the law. Lots of words. And the whole thing is after the Alston ruling, it's kind of changed, well, everything. Right? It's challenged the whole collegiate model. And so the question becomes... Are you ready for a long, litigious fight? How how far can it go? How far will it go? I mean, what with that in mind, what resources do the accusers have at their discretion, too? But this apparently is a pretty big deal to be keeping an eye on. And I got to be honest with you, I wasn't someone who was paying too terribly much attention to this until today. And oh, by the way, this is actually a very interesting point from the 405 so if they're employees, can we get a non-compete clause to stop transfers altogether? <laughs> I'm sorry, as an employee of this university now, your contract does include a no-compete clause. So, Well, what- and, you know, I know that that's a little bit of a joke, but, <laughs> I mean, if they're employees, that would probably change how the transfer portal operates. I mean, it, it would probably be different. And then at that point, you get back to the – the old model of, yes, you do have to sit out a year if you choose to transfer, right? I mean, yep. couldn't, couldn't you see that being a repercussion of athletes becoming employees? I think the, the, obvious, the obvious first destination we would find ourselves at is the death of non-revenue sports. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And what would it mean even for something like Title IX? I think that would come into question, perhaps. Sure, sure, sure would. All right, big story number three. Number three. We haven't done a ton on the NBA today, nor normally do we, unless it involves the Thunder. And last night was a a pretty good night in the fourth quarter for the Golden State Warriors, who overcame a shaky third quarter to win game five. 104-94, shot clock off. Kaminga into the front court, and the Warriors are going to win the pivotal game five. And for the first time since March 28th, the Celtics have lost back-to-back games. There you go, courtesy of the Golden State Warriors radio network afterwards. Let's see, I can't do Draymond. Uh, Steph Curry did not make a three. It's the first playoff game he's played in where he did not make a three-pointer. Clay Thompson afterwards. Well, Steph is the best to ever shoot it. And I'll tell you what, everyone in this building, including the fans and those watching, 
believe the ball is going in when it leaves his fingertips. So we're never stressed or worried about number 30. He has done so much and elevated this franchise to a place where it was hard to even imagine that he has leeway and he can have a bad night. I just know he'll respond. Um, I have a pretty good feeling that he'll respond too, Josh. I think he's going to have a, a big game in game, breaking news here. I think Steph Curry's going to have a big game in, in game six. Yeah, but, it, it kind of makes me feel like they might just go into Boston and close it out with Steph Curry having a huge night. It actually it, it kind of sets up better for Golden State that it played out this way, the fact that they were able to win the game, which is the most important part of all of this. They've got the 3-2 finals lead now. And, oh, by the way, you've got a ticked-off Steph Curry that's not real thrilled that it's his first postseason game where he didn't make a three-pointer. That's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, no. Now you got to go in and deal with that. Good luck. Big. St- by the way, game six in this series is coming up on Thursday night. Thursday night for game six between – the Celtics, and the Warriors back in Boston. Big story number two. Number two. Oh, uh, oh, oh my gosh. Here's a really I, – I hate to sidebar in the middle of it. I really do. Uh, Jesse hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line with this really good point. As employees would right to work allow the university to terminate their employment whenever they choose as long as no discrimination occurred. They would have a lot to figure out if they make that ruling, you know, I had a great coach. I say that with sarcasm. Keith Burns once tell me, Blank, I come in here. I just can't cut kids. You can't cut kids. It's not allowed to cut them. If I would, I mean, I'd cut half this team. <laughs> okay. Coach probably shouldn't have said the silent part out loud, but you're right. It's a really good point. You know, suddenly now you can go into a situation where it's like, Hey, listen, we appreciate all your hard work. We're, uh, we're going to move in another direction. I wonder if they would come up with fancy corporate terms, too, for the way in which they move on past a player. Listen, this is not a firing. This is a riff, a reduction in force. You're going to be okay. This is not any situation. This is a less is more situation. We still value you, but just not in this current setting. Another thing to consider is, I mean, it would radically change everything if athletes are recognized as employees. If we get to that point – Could you then, I mean, would you then even have employee limits? I mean, what would be the guidelines to tell one organization over another that they can't have more employees than another team or organization? It's a really good point. It's a really good point. I don't know. Where were we? Big story number two. Um, I got so much stuff here on Baker, and I felt like we delayed it yesterday, so let's go ahead and hit it here. First of all, yesterday – The Cleveland Browns' odds shifted to win the AFC North. They were at, like, plus 300, and they shifted out of nowhere to plus 370. And there was a lot of buzz about the possibility that Vegas knew something and that a suspension was imminent for one Deshaun Watson. Here's Ian Rappaport. I mean, I would say, to answer your first question, you know I do not believe that Sportsbooks know it's coming. I believe they take a view of what's happening publicly, make a decision based on the best available information, and then the lines change because people bet differently. I mean, I think that's – I don't think they know, like, okay, he's going to be suspended X games, whereas Roger Goodell – You know, um, however many games 
thing. But I, I would say the idea is that the Browns would know before they start training camp. So it's June 13th now. Um, generally, there have been, before everyone kind of says goodbye for the summer in early, early July or late June, the NFL has had a series of fines uh, or suspensions then. You know, that would be a perfect time to do it. Um, could also do it right before training camp. But, you know, I think the information that is out there now is what it is. So it's just processing it. The third-party arbitrator comes out with the ruling. Either side can appeal. And then Roger Goodell has the ultimate say. There's more to this, quickly. Uh, so what is the sp- suspension length, Ian Rappaport, at Rapsheet on Twitter? I can't make a real guess because I I have the information that's public, but I don't have the information that's not. I don't know what he said in the depositions. I would say many of the people involved are believing, anticipating that it'll be, you know, some time off the field. Like, I would be surprised at this point if it's like, all right, just a fine. Oh, of um, course. But, right. But I can't get, like, is it four or six or eight or ten, like, Probably somewhere in there, but that's an unbelievable drastic distant difference based on the percentage of a season. So I really do not know, and I don't think Roger Goodell knows either. Is that shocking to you that Roger Goodell – and again, this ties into Baker and in that the Browns, according to a report this morning, seem pretty confident they, they, still, they still have Baker on the roster, but – they they're still in the mode of moving on from him. And Carolina has come back to the table to try to do something to acquire Mayfield. So what that looks like, I don't know. We've debated whether or not that's a good fit for Baker Mayfield on the show earlier today, but it looks like right now it might be his only option. Unless he gets cut, right? Very Which true. it doesn't sound like Cleveland wants to take that approach. If it's not Carolina, then probably they stretch this thing out until right up until next year's trade deadline. That's a that's a risky maneuver, though, is it not? Sure. For Cleveland, I mean, you might wind up just eating the contract if you go that route versus, you know, maybe you don't get the compensation up front that you feel like you'd like in return for Baker Mayfield right here, right now with Carolina, but it could be your only. Sure. Compens- compensation for Baker Mayfield outside of, I guess, if they go through what the entirety of next season and then the contract expires, they would get that compensatory pick. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's absolutely what it would be, but we'll keep eyes on it, man. It's fascinating. It's fascinating to see where we are, which gets us to big story. Number one, number one, number one, number one. Oh, you baseball. We have a start time. They are on their way to the college world series. Uh, we got mobile segments coming up at the bottom this hour, but when we come back, let's drill a little deeper. Haven't spent a lot of time talking about the Sooners in Omaha today. Let's go in-depth next right here on The Ref. There we go. <laughs> math is not easy, Josh. I was told there would be no math, and I feel like all I'm doing is math during the show today. Anyway, welcome into the Plank Show right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. I'm about to send send on hit send on this, and I'm so happy right now. It's just I I do not I am not a report guy, never have been, never will be. And I don't know if my re reports are correctly added up or not. 
But here we go. We're hitting send on this bad boy. Do you have to do many reports for the Hawkeye website or no? What do you mean by report? I don't know. Listeners, bar graphs, things that uh, corporate people really seem to dig. Here's one, a pie chart Once for a you. month. Now, I, I don't know that necessarily I need to come into our monthly meeting with legitimate bar graphs and pie charts, et cetera, but it is sort of expected for me, yeah, to know a little bit of the data. I do too. I will say, though, we had a really nice year on the Sooner Sports Podcast. I'm grateful for everyone who have discovered it and uh, checked it out. We're going to continue to grow and get, get even bigger and better. All right, Josh, OU Texas A&M. What have we learned in the last 24 hours about this matchup for the Sooners? Well, it's, I mean, obviously a challenging one. We know that. And you need Jake Pennett to throw well for Oklahoma. I mean, I think that's the big key in this matchup for OU. You can't just solely rely on OU swinging the bats like they did in the final game in Blacksburg. Typically, teams that advance and win the College World Series, they get great starting pitching. So, for me, I look you know, just at Oklahoma before I start thinking about looking at Texas A&M on the other end of the equation. Need a great start. Need a quality start in Omaha. Agreed. Agreed 100%. But you know what? And I was I was reading a little bit on A&M. I don't know much about their story. I mean, obviously, we now know a start time on Friday of 1 o'clock. And we also know that I don't think there's a game before there, so I don't think it can get shifted up too terribly much, right? That I said shifted, just to be very clear. But, I mean, they were the number five national seed. You know, they had they hosted their own super regional and took care of business against Louisville. They're, they're a problem. And I, I got to be honest with you, it's kind of funny because I, re, I remember, Josh, all the conversation leading into the postseason – was the possibility of what Oklahoma may be going to Texas A&M. But as OU won the Big 12, even though winning the Big 12 tournament didn't help them too terribly much, but as they started to play better down the stretch of the season, that opportunity started to shift away from the possibility that Oklahoma would go down to Texas A&M. They they had earned a probably, and as we've seen now, more formidable matchup. But this is a team that finished the year 42-18, and 16th consecutive winning season. They've now won in 60 of their last 62. And it's a familiar. So I'm curious about this coaching matchup because Oklahoma's familiar with Jim Schlossnagel from his years at TCU. And he shifts right from the Horn Frogs in Fort Worth to College Station and doesn't really skip a beat. And honestly, didn't really, didn't really take too much from TCU when he made the move. Um, he is just the 13th person to send multiple schools to the College World Series. And he's the, the 30th coach now. That's pretty, when you start thinking about the history of College World Series and, and college softball, he's just the 30th coach to make six College World Series appearances. And I don't know about you. I, I like the guy. He would come on with us when he was at TCU. He'd do our pregame interviews. I don't 
You know, I don't know a ton yet about their roster. I'm intrigued by Jack Ross. I want to learn a little bit. I'm Jack Moss, excuse me. I want to learn more about Dylan Rock, the transfer out of UTSA to see what he can do. Uh, I'm intrigued by Brett Minich, but am I crazy if I think that Oklahoma's riding a wave of momentum and with the way Jake Bennett is pitching? Is it pure homerism if I look at this and think, I don't really care too much about what A&M's bringing. I think Oklahoma can beat anyone right now. With what Peyton Graham has been doing, obviously Pettis has just caught fire smoke in this postseason, but Treadaway, uh, up and down the lineup, Oklahoma's really playing great baseball. Yeah, no, I don't think it's nuts at all to be focused more on what's going on with Oklahoma. They're the hottest team in the country right, right now. OU is. Yeah. Are they getting the respect you think that they deserve? Not according to some of the odds makers out there. I think it was Bet Online that released their odds, and OU was right there at the bottom of the College World Series with 7 to 1 odds. Hmm. I'd, oh, what happened? I would take that risk. I would take that risk. I'd put that money out there. Why not? I, again, I'm not a gambler. I just want to make this very clear. But that's a fascinating number, dude. That is – that's a little bit, as someone who doesn't gamble, that's the kind of number that makes me want to – I just want to see if I can find myself a little offshore. I just – I'm that confident in what they've been able to do. How can you not be? What about the other half of the bracket, I, just in, in Oklahoma's side of it? You know what? I saw an article yesterday. They got me a little bit triggered. Do you know what that article was? No. What was it? Was, it? it was talking about the pending matchup between Texas and Texas A&M in the second round of the College World Series. I got a little triggered. I mean, I just – I think that this Sooner team has been vastly and dramatically underappreciated this year. I, you know what? I'll throw me in there. I think at times on this show, and I don't want to be known as that. I love college baseball. I feel like at times there's people that don't appreciate that we don't give enough attention to baseball, and they deserve it. They've earned it. Every year they feel like you're heading down the stretch with a chance to get in the postseason. So I just – the more I can talk about this team, the better. I, you know one thing I have determined? Number one, a lot of people clout chasing out there on Twitter.com. But number two, I think they're going to have a solid contingent in Omaha. I think just ba- and I'm I'm judging this, of course, on my always reliable, always reliable Josh Helmer, Twitter feed, but I get the sense there's a lot of people that are going to be making this trip out to uh, Omaha. Why not? It's they haven't been in over a decade, eleven years. It's a could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, you just it's tough to get to Omaha. You don't don't get in this position a whole bunch. You're hoping again that this is the springboard to Skip Johnson and OU starting to make routine regular appearances in Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series. But, look, it's like the Final Four. It just doesn't right. happen uh, to a bunch of programs all the time. So if you got the opportunity to get up there for Friday and taking a day off of work, a little vacation day, a little afternoon baseball versus A&M, I say go for it. Absolutely. Make the trek on up. And as you pointed out, it does kind of have that interesting storyline to it to where we thought at one point maybe OU was going to College Station for a region. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, you been? You've been to the College World Series before? A bunch, yeah, yeah, really? a bunch. We, uh, you know, my 
family part of it lives and grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. And so anyways, that was one of the things that that side of my family went to every year. You know, at the grocery stores up there, they used to sell these ticket books that you could buy for relatively cheap, and it was all passes, tickets to every single College World Series game. And anyways, that was kind of a summer vacation for my family growing up every summer. Hmm. Jealous. Envious. I knew you – I thought you had gone. I didn't realize it was a regular thing. How out of control are ticket prices? Have you looked? No, I haven't. And since they moved it to the new ballpark downtown, I, I think it's clearly it's risen in price. Right. Interesting. I want to go really bad. I want to go. Here's what I need. I need for Skip Johnson and OU to do this next year. Next year again. Can we can we just plan on that now? Let's plan on doing it next year so that way I for sure can go. Thanks, Skip. Make me feel a lot better about things. Quick break. When we come back on the Plank Show, I got to get mobile. We'll get a little pseudo news according to Josh to head down the home stretch. Uh, and a couple of your air comfort solutions texts that have been fantastic right here on The Ref. All right. Welcome back into the Plank Show. Do you know what the best part of being in a hurry somewhere is, Josh? You know what's number one, number one on the depth chart when you're rushing to get somewhere? To get to do a radio show, probably. Well, no, not being able to find your key. That's always the top thing that ends up happening. Sorry, I didn't lay that out. I'm sitting here, and I just think it's going to be an easy walk to my car. Nope. Nope, not at all. All right, listen, we got a combo news, air comfort solutions, text line segment. So, one here. One, to wrap the show up, Josh, the floor is yours. Which way would you like to go to start the final 30 minutes? Oh, it's it's all about the people. All about the people. On the Let's do it, then. Air Comfort Solutions text line, appreciate you guys as always. And gals, 405-651-3439. Friday is my late father's birthday. Big OU fan and baseball fan to watch the College World Series when I was a kid. My two kids and I are celebrating his birthday at the OU game on Friday. Oh, my gosh. How awesome is that? I mean, it's terrible that you lost your dad, man. But to be able to celebrate in his honor all day long, dude. It's going to get dusty all day long, man. Just enjoy it. Just en- you know what? I didn't really have – I'm envious of a tweet like that. Now, again, I don't want anyone to have to you know, go through losing their father. That's not my point. Let's clear that up real quick. My point is to have those memories, right? You know, my my dad's a great man, but most of our memories were me getting that for letting the ball slip on the outside of my hand at a Little League game or standing whenever I was hunched over at the plate. Stand up straight. Hunched over. Stop into the ball. But to have a memory like that where it's, man, we, we would always go to the College World Series. We loved OU baseball. Bro. Josh, that is some heavy, heavy stuff. Fine him for not going to class, this uh, texter asks. So when you become an employee, well, first of all, in a roundabout way, you are fined. I mean, you're not, it's not a monetary thing, but, you know, it hurts you in the, your depth chart conversations, and it hurts you with its reputation amongst the team. So in that sense, okay. But – 
I mean, when you're an employee, I mean, that's everything, Josh. That's, you know, your employer puts himself, herself in a position where, where, yeah, these types of things can become monetary penalties and just not like playing time and things of that nature. I mean, right? Yeah, no, that's, that's right. It just, everything changes if and when these student athletes become employees. I mean, it just, who knows what, what the landscape looks like. I mean, at that point. And then one, one more thing on that little uh, show context earlier today, we were talking about the athletic report um, in the most recent court case against the NCAA where the SEC stepped up today to speak out in support of the NCAA where, you know, again, not to become a full-time employee, essentially not employees of the universities, you know, unionization would, I think, end up being something as part of that. I would assume there'd be collective bargaining agreements. It's just, it would, if, if you're anti the professor and you're in this world where, yeah, I want students, athletes to get paid. I'm with you. I want them to get paid too. But in a way that is, is, is fair. And if they find out that this isn't it, well, fight against it. But I can't help but wonder, Josh, just how deep everyone and how far everyone is willing to go from a litigious perspective. Yeah. I mean, and we're just scratching the surface, it sounds like, of that legal fight we were talking about earlier today. I yep. guess I guess there's an annual College World Series stake feed. For anybody that's going up to the College World Series, somebody sent this yep. over to us. It's I-80, the Cosmopolitan Club, and okay. Saturday at 3. So $20, $20 steaks, $10 hot dog, not bad for the fans making their way up. What all do you get with that ten dollar hot dog? I mean, I like hot dogs, but ten bucks for a hot dog? You get to hang out with your friends, fellow OU fans. Yeah, okay. Somebody I'd said they that. got tickets for that. a hundo each. Okay, must be nice okay. seats. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that. You know, do you know what the get in price for Game Six was? Our Game Five was last night in in San Francisco. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it had to be several <laughs> thousand. Well, I mean, I was it, it was it was a thousand dollars, but I just I mean, if, if I couldn't go to a game, I mean, there's no way I could afford going to a game if tickets were a thousand bucks a piece. I mean, I I couldn't even think about going selling my life on spending five hundred bucks on these tickets, right? I mean, so when you hear a hundred dollars, it's wild in my mind, and I'm that's not too bad. But then I'm like, whoa, wait a minute here. What are the typical prices that people are paying for a college baseball or a college softball game to be in that triple-digit world per, per ticket? And I would assume, you know, not even close, especially whenever there's, you know, schools that are in this where you can get into games for $10, for $15, for $20. I get it, but ooh, that kind of shook me a little bit. It's like, hey, I got in for 100 bucks. That's not cheap when it comes to college baseball. Well, and somebody, Jesse, hit us up and said, personal philosophy is if I can't get good seats, I'll just watch from home. Just looked. Tickets in the area where I was looking were 400 each. I have the internal debate going on now. Well, okay, are those, are those all session tickets? Because, I mean, that seems – if that's just the two games on that day, oof, oh, man, I – I don't know how you guys do it. Congratulations, and maybe I need to look into a different profession, but holy smokes, 
That's a lot. Yeah, all session, that wouldn't be really all that bad at all. What's that? All session, that that wouldn't be yeah. too bad. No. But, but if it's all session, I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. But if it's individual games, that's dicey. All right, anything else you want to hit on the text line? Tiger Rube wants to know, uh, are you getting your national championship ring for being the best voice in softball? Thank you, Tiger Rube. Um, I don't know. I, I just, you kind of hope. We keep fingers crossed. And then maybe you get that call that they say, hey, your ring is here or we need your ring size or something of that nature. It hasn't. It didn't happen in 16. It didn't happen in 17, but it happened last year. And it's one of the coolest things I own. I've worn it once, Josh. I wore it, I wore it when I did the uh, coffee and cars with coaches. And I wore it because I went to pick up JT and they had my ring. So I just wore it while I was while I was driving around with him. It looks really cool, by the way. If you ever see that video, if you find it online, it looks pretty cool. I mean, I'm all blinged out there driving around, so it's pretty impressive. But, yeah, good. I hope so. Have you seen Have I brought it up to the studio at all? I don't think so. I may have. Not that I remember. I also don't like to, I don't like to be a braggart about it either because, I, I mean, that's just me. I don't. I don't like to even talk about it because there's always a part of me that thinks someone might hear to be like, hey, why is he getting a ring? We need to stop this. <laughs> or, or you know, some might say, well, maybe someone hears that you didn't get one and they want to get – no, no, I don't think life works like that. I think it's the other way around. I think it's, hey, why is this happening? Get rid of this dude's uh, access to making sure he has his bling that he'll never wear that somehow will end up uh, with, with his kids trying to figure out how much they can make off of it whenever he's dead. That's probably what's going to end up happening. So, um, just, anyone else? Are we? We're, we're good on the text line until you guys okay. fire away here for the final segment. But what one little piece of uh, news here: the U.S. Open, obviously, in golf is it's this week, and That's right, Father's Day weekend. I, I'm just looking at ESPN and their cover story now is quote. This feels dirty. This doesn't feel like golf, end quote. How a traditional sport just got turned upside down. Everything is about this Live Golf League. Rory McIlroy has been one of the really, really outspoken PGA Tour players against this Live Golf League. He's got a quote out there saying that uh, PGA Tour players that joined the Live uh, Golf Series, they've taken the easy way out. Brooks Kepka, he uh, says it casts a black cloud over this U.S. Open, Kepka, of course, two-time U.S. Open champion, back-to-back U.S. Open champion. is. It seems like this is what we're going to be doing this week, isn't it, at the U.S. Open? I mean, this is going to be – it's going to take on a life of its own. It is. And can I give you a not popular take probably to wrap this up today? I think it's good. I, I, I think it's good for the sport. And let me, let me try to sell you on that next. I'm just going, I've been, you know, I, I like to workshop takes, right? Kind of like comedians. Come, I'm, and I'm not funny. My wife tells me I'm not funny all the time. But comedians will go and they'll workshop some ideas and maybe try to try them out every now and then on Friends to see if they work. Well, I'm workshopping a take on how I think what's happening with the Live Golf Tour is good for golf as a whole. And we'll get into this. I will say this, though. There is nothing, and I mean nothing that's more enraging than when someone says, well, they're taking the easy way out. 
I mean, Rory, some of these guys have the earth that you do when it comes to uh, endorsement and things of that nature. That's just, I don't, I, I don't like that take at all. Taking the easy way out. Quick break. Let me sell you why I think it's good next to wrap up the plank show. Dude, I'm going to sell you on this take, and you let me know if you're buying or not, okay? Final segment of the plank show. This is steel. This has steel man written all over it. He would love this conversation. All right, I, I'm going to say something not very I'm going to say it. I'm happy you broke your arm. No, um, I like to live golf tour. I enjoyed the broadcast. I found myself watching a lot more of it than I expected. I popped it on YouTube. I thought their analysts were good. I thought their announcers were good. I thought it was pretty cool. There were obviously a lot of names I didn't know, but there were names that I knew, so I enjoyed I don't know what the – now, the political side of it, I have a problem with, right? With When you realize what it appears to be at its core – and there was an incredible – you were talking about, Josh, the ESPN article about about it, right? That's just been written. Yeah, and I haven't thumbed through it, but – Okay. But it's – Look, yeah, there, there's reasons to not be fired right. up about the Live Golf League and the relationship with Saudi Arabia. I get that. Though I would point this out for anybody that wants to uh, applaud Jack Nicholas. He's uh, building a golf course in – Wait for it. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Of course he is. Um, nobody really digs. They just find that quote that kind of fits their narrative, and then they throw it out there. Then it's like, bro, he's he's building the course in Saudi Arabia. Too late it's out here. Doesn't matter. No one's going to read the fine print because we don't. But my fine print to this is regardless of how the PGA is acting, I think they're panicked behind closed doors, and I think it could be a good thing. Because, Josh, maybe they'll start listening to some of their, some of their guys like Rory McIlroy, right? Think about wrestling. Why did the NWO break apart? Because everyone wanted a piece of the title, and they just all couldn't. Kevin Nash and the, the Hulkster couldn't coexist anymore. Everything comes to an end. You know, golf is having this fracturing in, in part, you know, large part because of the money. But let's not pretend like the PGA is some sympathetic figure in this they've made their own bed in a lot of ways they've re- they've increased in some areas when it comes to their purses but i think they i think they can learn a lot from this and I, why i think it's good because i still think the pga is king and i don't know how much the saudis will continue i don't know what the long-term gain is for the live golf but at the very least doesn't it open up the eyes of the pga to fine-tune some things and the political conversation you want to have, I hate to say aside on that, but at the very least, we're going to get a better PGA out of this, right? As long as they can keep all their guys. Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, we spend so much time thinking about Dustin Johnson. And, of course, Phil Mickelson has been a lightning rod in all of this because of comments that were published by Alan Shipnuck out there. But, man, this is so much greater than that. It's the – fact that the Live Golf League is just – it's great right now to these golfers. It's too attractive for them to turn down because guess what? They're only playing three rounds. Guess what? The portion to pay the caddy, they're not paying it. Uh, you know, the last person in the field would make $120,000. You know, it. it's not just about Dustin Johnson and 
Phil Mickelson and McElroy. It's about these guys that are fighting for their PGA Tour card. And in some cases, in a lot of instances, they're paying to go play the tournament on the PGA Tour. That's not what they're doing here. And the PGA Tour can and will, because of this competing tour, make it better for those types of players on the PGA Tour. 10 to noon, Saturday morning, the gimme zone, Josh with boss man Brian Vineyard, uh, Matt Reynolds, and the entire crew will be previewing not only the U.S. Open, but I'm going to go out on a limb, Josh. Today is only Tuesday. I'm going to guess by a media day tomorrow and some practice rounds on Thursday, uh, or excuse me, a first round on Thursday, we're going to have a lot more about this with being the first event that you got live golfers and PGA golfers together. And who knows? How much longer that'll last. Dude, have a great rest of your Tuesday. Steel Man and Student Noon next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Show never stops on Twitter at Josh on Ref. I'm at Plank Show, and everyone should be following us at KREF Sports. See you tomorrow.